Welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. Marijuana is legal in 22 states and the District of Columbia for either medical use or, if you happen to live in Colorado or Washington State, recreational use. And there's been a boom, dare I say a sprout, in the business of pot, with private investors funding all aspects of the business. Asset-based lending of inventory, laboratories performing testing on plants, uh, to the grow lights used in the state-run dispensaries and more. But businesses fail, as our audience knows too well. Bankruptcy is usually an option as a means to restructure or sell a troubled business, or at least provide an orderly liquidation under federal law. However, when your product is illegal under federal law, in this case the Controlled Substances Act of 1970, your bankruptcy plans will go up in smoke, as recent cases from Colorado, Arizona, and California explain. With me today to discuss the cases and the problematic collision of the pot business and federal law is Professor Michael Souza. Mike teaches bankruptcy and commercial law at Denver University's Sturm College of Law, where he's a tenured professor. He began his legal career with uh, several clerkships in the bankruptcy courts in New Jersey, had a stint at Duane Morris uh, also uh, in the bankruptcy world. He earned a law degree from Rutgers and an LLM in bankruptcy from St. John's, where he also serves on the advisory board for the nation's first LLM in bankruptcy. He's a member of the advisory board of the ABI Law Review, a past contributor to the Norton Annual Survey and Multi-Volume Treatise, as well as a former co-author of the Consumer Bankruptcy Manual, published by Thompson West. Mike is a very intellectually curious guy. He's now working on a Ph.D. in sociology at the University of Colorado, and we very much appreciate him joining us today. So welcome, Mike, to ABI Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, for having me. And this is a great topic to discuss, so I'm excited to do so. Okay. Well, well, let me start with uh, one newspaper summarized uh, two marijuana bankruptcy cases from Colorado and a third from California with the following headline, quote, when your medical marijuana business fails, you're screwed, unquote. So first explain the reality of this buzzkill. Why have the courts ruled as they have, even in states where the product is legal under state law? So the question or the answer to the question really, in my mind, is fundamental. There's a clash between federal and state law. You know, two states, Washington and Colorado, have legalized the recreational use of marijuana, yet it remains the drug on the Controlled Substances Act as a prohibited drug. So when either individuals, uh, which we should talk about too, or businesses file bankruptcy, they have to confront the reality that while their activities may be permissible and lawful under state law, uh, as everyone knows who's listening, bankruptcy is a federal law and the court's have to apply federal bankruptcy law when dealing with bankruptcy cases, and, and therein lies the problem. Right. So that means that um, a business can't file for reorganization under Chapter 11. They can't sell assets in the ordinary course the way a normal Chapter 11 uh, debtor uh, might. Uh, you can't uh, propose a plan, uh, a repayment plan under Chapter 13, and you can't liquidate under Chapter 7. Well, and probably can't yeah. file as a family farmer under Chapter 12. I, I think that's all right. And, and 
the issue is really the same, one of eligibility. And, and what happens in the few cases that have been published so far is that a debtor will either file an 11 on behalf of a business, a 7 on behalf of the business or themselves, or, uh, you know, a 13, and the trustee files a motion to dismiss because they're not eligible for various ways under the bankruptcy code. Um, for purposes of Chapter 13, um, the courts are going to dismiss for lack of good faith, relying upon the Supreme Court's decision in Marama, where um, you're not eligible to be part of 13 if you can't propose a plan in good faith. And the problem there is uh, the your um, money is to fund the plan as individuals is through illegal activity, at least through the federalized. In 11, you can't do propose a plan or get a plan confirmed for the very same reason. And in Chapter 7, part of the argument is um, you can't have the trustee uh, administering and selling assets or operating a business for a limited period of time when it's illegal. Right. So in all respects, Sam, um, in all four chapters of the Bankruptcy Code, debtors are going to find themselves um, being dismissed. Right. And no help to creditors either. They can't, for example, file an involuntary um, because the debtor can't be a debtor. That's exactly right. And and I don't remember the name of the Arizona case, but the recent Arizona case right. was dismissed for that very reason, relying on the Arenas decision out of my home state, the Bankruptcy Court of Colorado, which was later affirmed by um, the BAP of the Tenth Circuit just this past August. Right, right. The Arizona case is... Uh, MedPoint Management LLC um, decided right. recently, okay. right? Um, and uh, yeah, exactly as you said, several creditors filed an involuntary against, uh, and and MedPoint uh, relied on the on the fact that um, the case should be dismissed because the trustee could not lawfully administer the estate's marijuana-related assets without violating the CSA. Correct. <laughs> What I, find, what I find interesting about these cases is the following. When, when Normally, when people are operating a, a new business or a small business, they're, they're getting personal guarantees, giving them to the creditors. So as you all know, oftentimes what will happen with small businesses that the business will go into an 11 uh, or a 7, and then the creditors will come looking for uh, the people who own them. And... Um, there's a double problem. It, you know, the business may not be go, able to go through in a Chapter 11, but it can liquidate or have a receiver appointed under state law. The problem for the individuals who own these businesses is that they don't have the same types of relief because they can't get a discharge under state law. So while the business can evaporate without the use of bankruptcy, um, the individuals who are still on the hook and who need uh, financial relief like the um, Irenas decision um, that those are the ones who are ultimately stuck in my mind are the individuals right you know it's interesting the you know the Justice Department the Obama Justice Department issued an enforcement directive in 2013 applicable in the states where uh, marijuana is uh, either legalized or decriminalized but that doesn't appear to help at all um, with the bankruptcy option Um uh, and so the U.S. trustee has been filing motions to dismiss under Section 707. So the question is, do they have any option 
to use the enforcement direct, directive to you know perhaps look the other way? Trustees, I don't think so. Um, I don't think they can look the other way because what I think would happen is that at some point the judge is going to raise the issue um, to dismiss on his or her own behalf because at least what the Tenth Circuit BAP said uh, is that the bankruptcy judges, when they come on the bench, swear to uphold the federal laws. So they're, they're stuck in the position of... Even if the trustee doesn't move to dismiss, I am still monitoring and administering and ruling over a case that has illegal implications to it. So I don't think looking the other way would even help should the trustees get together and, and you know, not file the motions to dismiss. I think you're still going to have a problem right. from the bankruptcy judges. Right. Now, you mentioned the uh, Arenas case from uh, from Colorado, and I take it they... Uh, plan to, uh, if you will, rehash their arguments uh, to the full Tenth Circuit. Do they have any hope of a different outcome? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I think this is an easy issue intellectually and substantively. Um, like I said in the beginning, it's, it's, it's simply a clash of law. Mm-hmm. And the federal law, at least under the bankruptcy code, because that's what the federal judges are applying, is going to trump any state's interest in, in legalizing marijuana. So I don't think you're going to get a different decision from the Tenth Circuit should it go up, nor do I think you're going to get other decisions from, from any other jurisdiction, whether it be a different judge in, in Washington or Arizona or California. Right, right. I'm wondering if, by extension, um, the same kind of legal rationale that you're describing, if it could be applied to a whole host of other kinds of businesses that are in service to the marijuana business. Let's say like, you know, software companies providing inventory programs or labs performing testing on marijuana products or even something innocuous like supplying, you know, paper and packaging. So, you know, knowing that these um, marijuana sort of entrepreneurs seek out vendors who specialize in these kinds of clients, I mean, might those vendors also be exposed when it comes to a bankruptcy option? Because most, if not all, of their income is going to come from an illegal product. Yeah, so that's interesting. At least what the cases are talking about when they're dismissing debtors who primarily are engaged in the business, it's the possession and distribution of the drugs. Mm-hmm. At least with businesses, as you describe, who right. are kind of secondary in the marketplace, I think they they obviously um, win that race, or you know they're over that hurdle where they don't they're not in possession of the drugs um, or distribute them. The problem is going to be, and I honestly don't know if it's test has been tested in a court yet, is that some of their proceeds come from illegal activity. Right, they're aiding and abetting. And, yeah, and if the trustee is, or you know, if the trustee in a seven, the rationale would apply that if some mm-hmm. of the assets. Are illegal monies, right? Uh, then what is a trustee going to do? Or if some of their inventory was purchased with uh, illegal funds, and we can trace it, um, there may be the similar problem. Um, but there, but at the same time, I can see a judge giving a little slippage in that respect, and and maybe that's the. And I don't know. I'm pontificating, but maybe that's the place where we can. Um, distinguish these types of cases where if your primary activity isn't distributing 
or possessing, then mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you, you're eligible for some bankruptcy protection. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's probably the next frontier here. Um, it sounds like it. Yeah. So are we looking at a requirement of a change in either the Controlled Substances Act or even the Bankruptcy Code to recognize pot businesses as eligible for treatment uh, under bankruptcy like other businesses and individuals? Yeah, I, I think it would have to come through the Controlled Substances Act. Um, I, I can't imagine at the moment, particularly because it's not legal federally, that Congress would change the Bankruptcy Code to make uh, dispensaries and people who have licenses to, to grow and distribute marijuana uh, and their businesses eligible as debtors into the Bankruptcy Code. I think where it's going to have to come is much like other movements like Defense of Marriage Act. There's where an analogy, whereas the culture of society and more states, quite frankly, um, begin to legalize marijuana. And I think that's the trend that will happen over the next five, ten years. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, then maybe at some point Congress removes marijuana as a controlled substance under federal law. And it's at that point that I think, if it ever happens, but I think it will, um, it's at that point where these types of debtors will be eligible under the bankruptcy code. Right. Well, of course, under DOMA, there was a federal law. Correct. Um, and the Justice Department just stopped enforcing it in bankruptcy cases. Correct. Yeah, interesting. But here, but here is the difference. One is an issue of morality to some degree, and, and this is an issue of illegality and conduct that can cause other people, like the trustee, to um, at least be exposed for criminal law violations. Mm-hmm. Right. So without a change in the law, um, what do these enterprises do? I mean, are they left to out-of-court workouts or state court receiverships and the like in those states where the product is legal, of course? I think it's exactly right. I think the market is booming, at least in Colorado. I, I recently read something where there's more tax revenue from marijuana in the state of Colorado than like cigarettes or other types of mm-hmm. um, taxes. I think there's going to be a healthy market to sell the business. Um, and if there's not, I think you're absolutely right. I, creditors would have to apply for some form of receivership, mm-hmm. or you can liquidate under state law, or you can do an assignment for the benefit of creditors under mm-hmm. state law. Right. Um, and, and, and here's what I'll say. For the business itself, for the business itself, that may be if you can't do an out-of-court workout or sell the business. You know, a liquidation or an assignment may be the only solution uh, for the business. Um, the, the other thing, as I mentioned before, we have to consider the individuals who are operating these businesses who have given personal guarantees. Um, they're stuck holding the bag, so to speak. Um, they're not going to get a discharge. And, and in the Irena's case, what prompted their bankruptcy filing was they were getting sued by, um, I think, the licensee of their um, property mm-hmm. who was operating marijuana. So they were hit with a state court judgment um, and filed bankruptcy because of that. And lo and behold, they're not eligible because they happen to operate a marijuana dispenser. Right. Right. And so I take it without the bankruptcy remedy available that reduces the potential uh, leverage in the arsenal of a typical prospective debtor. Creditors know that the bankruptcy remedy isn't available. Oh, I think it's very heavily weighted in favor of the creditors because they know a couple of things. 
The alternative for the business, if they can't do an out-of-court workout, is some form of liquidation or forced liquidation of receivership under state law, which may or may not be in their best interest for preserving value, but at least they know it can't be done under the bankruptcy code, so they have a good deal of leverage. And for an out-of-court workout, you need uniformity and agreement among all the creditors, and if there's a holdout, um, you're forcing the issue. So from a business perspective, I do think it gives creditors a tremendous amount of leverage. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see if this um, blunts the uh, the growth of uh, of the business, even in states where where it's legal. In any event, it, there does seem to be a cloud, if you will, over the pot business. That's my last bad pun of the day here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's all of our time for today. We thank our guest, Professor Michael Souza, for being with us and sharing his insights uh, from Colorado on this uh, matter. And we thank our audience for listening. You can listen to or download nearly 170 podcasts at our website, abi.org slash newsroom, and then click on podcasts. Until next time, this is Sam Giordano saying good day. (laughs) 